What's up, what's up, y'all? This is Jason. Hey, it's Josh. And we want to welcome y'all to say that, to say this, man. This is this is going to be an exciting season. Josh, tell them what we're looking forward to this season. Man. Hey, so welcome to season three, man. This season, we are walking through the past 15 years of Mission St. Louis history. So we're going to be doing interviews with those that have really marked us, that have been a part of our story. We're looking forward to the, the interviews that are coming your way. Definitely, man. So thank y'all for joining. Thank y'all for listening. And make sure y'all stay plugged in. Say that to say this. Holla. And my Sorry, first impression. Right, recording, we're recording. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this, I mean, so here's this. This is it. Uh, for for everybody that that may not know, um, we are starting this season, uh, the season three of our Say That to Say This podcast, and we're walking through 15 years in the life of Mission St. Louis. And so we cannot do that without starting uh, with Carol Williams and Jonathan McIntosh. These two. Uh, as many of you know, were the founders, the first board members, uh, ones that uh, were willing to uh, hang out with a guy like me and push this vision forward. And so, uh, uh, Carol, I'm going to start with you. Give a little bit of background on who you are, how you found out about Mission St. Louis, and then Jonathan, we'll, we'll head over to you. Sounds good. So who I am is at embodied eternal soul in a female body (laughs) and that is just becoming more and more evident to me as I age it's just like I am no longer afraid of dying I'm afraid of getting old (laughs) so I am ready I am ready and my life experiences have been really fun started out as a a little girl too shy to have friends and turned into, I had to show up and be an extrovert and help people navigate their lives, which I never thought I was qualified to do and made a lot of money in the interim. Pretty good at Well, yeah, now I'm a coach, so I've learned how to do it the right way instead of just spouting off. (laughs) But um, yeah, so I was at an inflection point in my life when I ran into the two of you and Uh, I'd met someone, well, I had the opportunity to go have a sexy job in New York City because our company was bought out in St. Louis. And as I explored that option, I was like, I've been there, done that. That sounds cool, but no, I am going to go a total different direction. So I took two years off from earning money, totally changed my lifestyle in that Uh, The husband for 29 years became not the husband, and my kids graduated from college. Um, In that space, I found a friend at jury duty, of all places, and we started exploring Bible groups, Bible study groups, and churches in St. Louis, because I was so busy before, I didn't have time for that kind of stuff. So we fell into the journey. And then one Sunday, it wasn't the first Sunday, but it was one of the Sundays, this magnificent human being, Jonathan, stands up and starts speaking from his heart and his head, which he could do really well, and casts a vision for something that he wants to make happen and thinks it's time for. I don't remember your words, Jonathan, maybe you do, but I remember the impact. I... I was looking for purpose, looking mm-hmm. for difference, to make a difference in a different way than I ever had. And you spoke to me. You singled me out of the audience and you spoke to me. 
Then I took about a month trying to catch up with you. So I'm not able to get Jonathan, but his minions keep telling me, his people, oh, you really want to talk to Josh. You really want to. I'm like, who the heck's Josh? I don't know Josh. I want Jonathan. I want Jonathan. Who is Josh? Don't hand me off to some lackey. And, and this, and this jury duty friend says don't they know who you are and i'm like oh my god that's ridiculous right anyway i finally meet josh and the rest is history so now now jonathan your version of how that went (laughs) i like this i like this oh my gosh what let me just say before i we got deep like really quickly like carol who are you i'm an embodied soul like we like 10 seconds in we went deep um two you just made me cry like I've, I've not preached a sermon in years i've not been in pastoral ministry for a long time and i i don't know the fact that you remember i don't remember that moment but that you do and you tell it like that I, it, that means a lot to me so thank you um i mean as i think about mission st louis of course mine starts with me and josh but the, the part of my story happened from months or maybe years before that, but not many years. I was a pastor of the journey. And uh, Darren said, look, you need to hang out with this. You need to hang out with this guy. And we, uh, I think we went to lunch or went to grab drinks. And he talked a lot about LSU. He had, because he was a, because he was a climber, he had forearms bigger than my head. I remember that. And he cried a lot. That's what I remember about, and what I, I still think about, like the emotional soul and core that drove you in those early days and probably still drives Mission St. Louis. It's this purity of heart, Josh, that you have that you're able to be moved. Um, and I hope that's still a key piece of who you are that you haven't grown up too no, much. I, and I shed too that. Cynical. Yeah, I shed <laughs> that. It's, it's all really cynicism. Yeah. Because <laughs> that can, you know, when you spend a lot of time in ministry and nonprofit work or in the church world, those three can grind your, that kind of purity of heart down and you get cynical really quickly. So I hope that's not gone. But you also had some anger, um, especially around, and I think good pure anger, like, hey, you guys, can talk a good game, but what the hell are you doing about it? And that's where we were at the journey at the time that you showed up. We were putting a theological framework to mercy and justice. And the heart of it was like, what? instead of just giving a handout so that we can assuage our own feelings of guilt and go about our day, what does it look like actually to invest in an area invest in the neighborhood and see it change for the better for all inhabitants, whether they are quote unquote Christian or not. But we didn't know what that actually meant. Like I could preach a sermon. Thank you, Carol, for your, your kudos there. But I didn't know what the hell to do. And I think that drove you crazy in a good way, Josh. Like you showed up at the journey, like, Oh, I've heard the same vision talk from Darren and Jonathan countless times what are you doing about it and so that kind of purity of heart that would move you to tears and the purity of your anger that would move you to action those two things came together and that's what we needed in that hour now carol you came along and uh 
I was probably a little too full of myself at the time. Um, now you ask my wife, she says you probably still are, but you know, the fact that, you know, I was, you know, the second or third pastor on staff and I had an assistant, everyone had to go through my assistant to get to me. Like that's a, that's a guy that's got a little too much ego. Um, and the fact that I, I didn't immediately see uh, the wonderful gifts that were being handed to me on a platter in in the embodiment of your soul, as you would say, like I was an idiot. So I, I, I appreciate your persistence. And I remember either after that first phone call or first meeting, here's what I do remember this. I don't remember. I think it was a phone call even before we, we all got together face to face. You said, here's the thing that I do. Well, I help organizations not waste resources. And by resources, I mean money. And I mean, time, people, resources. And I'm paid a lot of money to do this for very large corporations. But the biggest waster of resources are nonprofit organizations. And I would love to help you and the journey and whatever you're putting your your hands to, not to waste resources for the sake of everything that you preach. Um, And I hung up going, okay, this this lady, let's let's pay attention to her. That's what I remember. Boy, you're filling in blanks for me too, Jonathan. I'm not, not remembering those words. And talk about being full of yourself. What? That's a crazy speech. <laughs> oh, I really said that. Oh, yes, yeah. great. You, you got our attention. You got my attention. Do you remember that, Josh? What, what's, uh, your, uh, what's your story? One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. And to provide a little context, uh, and and. Uh, and to get to brag on, on you guys a little bit. So, you know, I was, I was coming out of, you know, Lee and I thought that we were only going to be here for a couple of years while she was finishing up school and we were going to leave. Jonathan and I, you know, we sat down and, and you, I mean, you and Darren had both kind of cast this vision and I was, I had some context in, in, in North St. Louis in an urban environment, but just enough to be, idealistic, right? I was, mm-hmm. I was very ill-informed. And, you know, I remember sitting Jonathan with you and, and kind of talking about some lived experience that I was, that I was watching and a part of, and then dreaming a little bit um, and, and thinking through models of like, Hey, how would this work? And then let's not, let's not forget that at that time, Bono was on every television commercial. Everybody wanted to save Darfur, you know, the red campaign, yeah. the one campaign, all of that was happening. And so this wasn't, this wasn't necessarily just like, you know, some white dude from Louisiana and a handsome dude that, that has an assistant coming up with some great <laughs> idea. It was also, I mean, there was something happening um, at that time where people were like, Hey, what is social justice? How do we get involved in it? What does that look like? And so we were really wrestling with, with what that could be. And then I remember you, Jonathan, I remember you calling up and being like, I just got off the phone with this woman who is going to change our lives. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but we should definitely meet with her. And, uh, and so then I remember, I remember after you guys had that conversation, us walking to the upstairs of the Hanley road campus, sitting on some couches And I mean, I remember talking to Carol and talking to you, spewing out this vision that made no sense. I do remember crying on a couch and, uh, and I, and, and it was met with, with that same sentiment, right? Carol just kind of looked at us and was like, I I love you guys. I love this vision, but you have no freaking idea what you're doing and it's going to be a disaster. Let me help you. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Well, Yeah. And so speaking of disaster, I mean, I 
I was facing overwhelm. And so clearly I was faking it because if, if that's what you were hearing, because I'm like, I've never done a nonprofit. I'm not that kind of Christian. I don't know what you're talking about, but I want to, I want to be involved because something really important is going to happen here. I didn't know how big, I didn't know how long. I just knew that with that amount of love for God and passion, there was no way this wasn't going to succeed. And I learned so many lessons on the way from that crying episode on the sofa through Jonathan telling me, what is it about Jesus's words about the poor that you're, you're taking offense at? Do you remember that quote in the library of my house? Mm. Uh, so anyway, it was, it was really an interesting passage for me because we said from the beginning, not we, actually, Josh, you said from the beginning, we're in this not to change people, although we may, but we're going to be changed too. And that was enormous. I had no idea how that was going to show up in the process of giving our hearts and minds and souls to others. Yeah. So this was, this was two, early 2006 in the life of, of Mission St. Louis. I had just come in and done, uh, accepted an internship, Jonathan, kind of under your purview. Um, and, and we have this conversation. We talk about this vision uh, the three of us, I mean, I, I think kind of that was the moment that was like, hey, this there is something special, Carol, to your point. Um, but the next three months were a disaster, right? If, if I remember correctly, um, Amy Mattia handed me a list of a bunch of journey members. I emailed and called everyone on the list. We ended up with around 200 something volunteers that were like, I want to save the world or at least St. Louis. And and I was, I was idealistic to, enough and I was a pastor's kid. So my, my only context for mercy ministry was like, you do something around Christmas and then one other time, maybe a vacation Bible school and a mission trip. And that was kind of the engagement around issues of systemic poverty. But we kind of came in or, or I did at least, it was like, Hey, we're going to save the world tomorrow. So buckle up. I have your phone number and your physical address. Let's do this. And then what, <laughs> then what turned out was, a ton of activity, uh, spewing goods and resources throughout our city. And I burned out 199 of those volunteers in three months, right? Like Lee was the only one left at that point. And I remember coming back to the table with you guys and being like, this is a total and complete disaster. Hmm. And I think I that, was the, that, well. th that was the, that was the moment I think where we really began to wrestle with, and, and Jonathan, you alluded to it, this idea of like, hey, um, maybe we're doing more harm than we're doing good. And, yeah. and, and what, what, does that, what does that mean? What, what does that look like? And, and, uh, and, and I think it was kind of at that moment that we were starting to talk about things like, you know, not only what would change us, where, um, you know, that was our, 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 one of our first steps was, was talking with Janetta Stiegel at Adams elementary school who kind of not only, not only kind of put me in her, and, and I, I remember walking in with all this idealism, right. Of like, Hey, why aren't you doing this? And here's the literacy rates at your school. And we're this young church plant that's out to save the world. We should help you. And, and, and her looking at me and just being like, Hey, you should, maybe you should shut up and listen to me. And, 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 and taking that advice was, was brilliant. Right. And so she kind of walked us through uh, this process of what it looked like to, to love her. But at the same time, um, Jonathan, I'll, I'll never forget, 
starting to talk about and think about affordable Christmas, where one, I think we were coming to realize that the impact of just treating somebody like a charity case, the harm and the, the raping of dignity that that does, right? So we were wrestling with that. But then at the same time, like there was a there was truth to, we were also a part of leading a people and we did not know how to turn the tide. And that, that affordable Christmas was kind of the first moment that was like, Hey, what if we did things differently? Go ahead, Carol. Yeah. I just, this is just an insert here. I remember that moment very vividly when that changed instead of pushing out so to speak, our agenda, our view of what their needs were, the question arose that we were going to go in and say, hey, what do you need? Hey, how can we fit into your life plan, not adopt our life plan? Yeah. And or what does relationship mean? mean? Right. What is it? And how, and how do we do it? And we're not in your zip code. We're, you know, we don't look like you. How can we make this be what our vision is. And I remember that as the significant turning point of yeah. how everything started to become real after that. Jonathan, that's all I wanted to say. No, and it, it seems like if I remember correctly, and maybe I'm not, there were that also that shift we were making, a lot of people were making, and there were a number of voices and resources that kind of came our way um, when helping hurts by Corbett and Fickert. Um, we know we we met Shane Claiborne. We met John Perkins. We got turned on to all of this about community and urban development. And uh, we just at that point in time, I think we we shut our mouths and we opened our ears and eyes and, and started learning a lot. What, what were the other what were the other kind of key little changes that were happening in our in our minds or what other voices were influencing us? Do you remember, Josh? Yeah, from an, from an outside perspective, I mean, that, that idea of like toxic charity, I think the, the first issue, it was from Lupton. Um, I think it was, so, I think the book was actually originally titled, So You Call Yourself a Christian. And I, I think, I think for us that the title of that, that hit really well, but really wrestling with, I mean, the, the thing that, that I think hit and, and changed things more than anything else and all that we were reading and then match that with just even some of the, the theological pieces um, was just that idea of like, hey, what does the intersection of Imago Day and deep relationship really mean? Um, and, and what does that look like? And I, I think that's probably been what we've tried to keep a really closed fist on is that idea of like, Hey, whatever it looks like. And, and at that time, this wasn't even mission St. Louis. This was just the journey. Like, Hey, if we're going to be a church that loves and serves our city, um, just doing a bunch of activity is going to cause a lot of damage. And so where does relationship really play in, in the midst of that? And, and Janetta, you know, you know, one <laughs> mocking us and, and really putting me in my place. But then, you know, the backside of that was, I mean, she took us under her wing was like, Hey, this is what it looks like to love my babies. This is what my dreams of are for my school. And, you know, if you guys remember back, like her, her challenge to us was like, Hey, can you address literacy and math in our school? Well, none of that happened in two years. I mean, we did no kids test grades and literacy and math got any better because, you know, we were just mobilizing a, a bunch of volunteers in, but like relationship came out of that. And that was where 
understanding, learning, building relationships with not only kids, but faculty and staff. And then, I mean, the change, the, the catalyst for that was, was how that flowed into the streets of, of, of the neighborhood. And uh, as that began to happen, um, I think that's really kind of where the, the, the overall vision began to, to come from. Um, and, and so it, as Mission St. Louis grew, really kind of from that to um, slowly the vision of like, hey, what would it look like to kind of draw boundaries around Forest Park Southeast at the time or, or really the school? You know, I think I think, you know, not only did you guys walk with me through that in a really beautiful way, um, Jonathan, I remember just tons of, of uh, conversations as I was wrestling with what leadership looked like, what it looked like to, to raise money, what did it look like to, uh, to lead this thing out. I think, I think the two of you, as I think back and, and as you, I think you would talk with any of our long-term, long-term staff, one thing happened that, that shaped the life of our organization forever was uh, we did Affordable Christmas. It, it worked. Um, the journey said, hey, we're going to do a Christmas offering, right, that's going to set out our budget for the year. And I think, I think that December we raised $30,000. And I think I looked at Jonathan and was like, we're rich. Like, we, we did it. <laughs> and, um, and so, I mean, it was, there's a little bit of momentum building. We had time in the school. Things were slowly starting to come, come together in that first six months. And, uh, and we we're beginning to build a little bit of infrastructure. And what I wanted to do was take whatever little money we had and pour it into the front line. And we were going to go and we were going to hire folks and we needed to do more. And I'll never forget specifically you, Carol, uh, sitting down and being like, hey, if you do this, you're going to destroy yourself and you're going to destroy this organization. You guys were the ones that really pushed towards building a team, having some infrastructure and specifically around my weakness. And uh, I think it's one of those things that, that shaped us forever. Do you remember that? Yes, and vividly. And <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I wanted your vision to become real and, and your energy and your passion and your heartfulness were so big that they were camouflaging all the rest of the things that had to come in play to be the thing you are today. And so when donors showed up and started financing some of the infrastructure and when Joy showed up and was like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. This is it. You know, and she's, she's just blossomed beautifully and, and she's been there as the cons constant forever. You know, that's when it started to feel like, this is more than just a dream. There are people who can, as you suggested, Josh, can fill in your blank spaces. You don't have to be all things to all people. And oh, by the way, you couldn't if you tried. And you had to fail a few times before you realize that, as every leader does. I had to learn that too. And you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. And that was the beginning of just an acceleration straight up when you realize that and we brought several people including joy on board mm -hmm. yeah i mean and and joy's still with us and is you know is the reason why we're, we're we, we are where we are um so i remember you saying that carol and driving that jonathan i remember you um 
I remember coming to your office and, uh, it, actually, this is what happened. Uh, Carol was like, Hey, I want you to meet somebody. I want you to cast some vision to some person in downtown St. Louis. And I remember just, you know, your first, like walk into the boardroom, you got to make the sales pitch, never really doing it before, kind of unsure of what your vision is, but I had to get up there and, and sell this thing. And I remember just stumbling through a sales pitch and a vision of what Mission St. Louis was and why this certain individual should, should give to us. And it was a complete disaster. And I remember getting in the car with Carol and her being like, yeah, that wasn't good. Like you, you were kind of all over the place and we really need to work on this. And I remember like, I mean, and, and rightly so, like really, really good advice. Um, and as like compassionate and as pointed as, as Carol could be, which is why we are so in love with her leadership and, and, and how she does what she does. But I remember working on this story. I remember telling the story and thinking about it. And, and, uh, and I remember Jonathan, you walked in and uh, Johanna Richards, uh, I was in I was in the middle of uh, of telling telling the story, and by then I'd kind of gotten into this routine of talking about who we were, and and I had the same stupid corny jokes right at, at every time, and and I remember like Johanna jumping in and giving the punchline, and, and and it all happened, and we kind of laughed and and made fun of me in that process, but then you pulled me aside and you were like, hey, uh, you need to know that. A, a leader with clear vision where their entire team can narrate the story in the same way is really an attribute. Like it, it's, it's, it's a sign that people are beginning to like grasp and understand the vision uh, around you. And, and, and that was, that was one of the, the many times, Jonathan, that you kind of spoke into my leadership specifically in that building process that I don't think I'll ever forget. Wow. I, I don't remember that conversation, but it sounds like I was a good friend to you at one point. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, Josh, you just said something important that th you'll never forget. That was something you'll never forget. And that's what keeps you who you are and hmm. lots of other people, but specifically you in this conversation, you are not forgetting you're not forgetting yeah. where you came from. You're not forgetting the vision and the underlying mm -hmm. love for all of people, all people, all humanity. And the heart of, you know, everybody needs a break. And I'm mm -hmm. in a position to create that opportunity for them. Opportunity. Look what you've done with that building, with all the services you've put under one roof. It's all about opportunity. And so the theme has been consistent all along. But what I love about what's happening here is, you're remembering it all. You're, you've stayed humble. Yeah. You, you can't forget. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the fun part of, of, of just this series of podcasts is just kind of going back and reliving. And, you know, one of the things is, I mean, to, to be able to build this with the two of you and the friendship that has come out of that. I mean, you know, I think without that, I mean, you can have all the roadmap and, and everything, but without like the friendship along the way, um, you know, I think, I think that's the fun part of kind of like reliving all of this and just remembering like moments that, you know, without, without the friendship and without the relationship, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to go back and be like, there's no reason we should still exist. Like I can think of like multiple times, right. Throughout the life of, of mission St. Louis, that the rug should have been pulled out and we should not still be here. Um, but it's being able to talk that through and being with folks that were, I mean, really kind of in the foxhole um, that, that I'm excited about in, in this series for sure. Do we have time to talk about, cause it's gotta be instrumental in, as you think about the history of Mission St. Louis, 
how it almost was just a ministry of one local church. Yeah. And it it could have stayed that, but it didn't. Should we should we touch on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> I, I would love, Jonathan. I'd love for you to, because because I mean, there was a there was a significant amount of of oversight. I mean, you 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 took a a, a pretty big risk, just kind of being at the journey, being a pastor at the journey, to be able to to put the stamp on something like this. I, I'd love to hear kind of from your perspective what you remember about that. Well, when we were talking earlier, I actually had forgotten some of the angst until just now that we had about that, because was it that you were kicked out of the nest or you decided the best thing for the organization was for it to stand on its own? And I think the latter became true, but it started, you're right, with some some pastors at the journey not wanting this expense on the books, which is pretty sad and ridiculous. I mean, in retrospect, um, and you, you were scared about that at first, at least if I remember I, correctly. I'm still a little scared. <laughs> <laughs> but also it, it, cause it led to this moment where you had to ask like it, what, what is the vision? What are we meant for? And could we do more good if we weren't directly affiliated with a single local church? And um, like I remember the board meeting at Carol's house where we talked about your salary and mm-hmm. what we decided we were going to pay you and then taking that back to, to the journey. And it was Carol that advocated for if here was your thing. I remember Carol, if we had replaced Josh, what it would cost us. And this is the number mm-hmm. it cost us. And so this is the value that we're going to place on, on him. And mm-hmm. that number was a little scary at the time. Yeah, $10,000 um, is a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was just, Carol was your advocate again. And I'm so glad, like, I, I don't know. I mean, cause even some of, a lot of those people aren't even around. So I'm not trying to, question motives of people that aren't here to defend themselves. I, you know, who knows why they push for Mission St. Louis to be on its own, but I'm so glad it had happened that way. I'm so glad it happened at all. That, that it's, it's bigger than one local church and it's bigger than yeah. the journey. Um, yeah, that, there was a, there's such a scary, there was such a scary time. It was such a scary time. I mean, of, of stepping out there and it was, it was, it was definitely, there was a, the financial piece, but I think there was also the piece of like, Hey, am I going to do this the rest of my life? And, um, I think that was, that was equally as, you know, cause Lee was finishing up school. We had no intention of staying in St. Louis and, you know, walking this and that vision coming to life was like, Hey, is this what I'm going to give the rest of my life to, uh, you know, I think was, was also in there. Well, you were also concerned about losing your lifeline to all the volunteers because you didn't know what stigma that was going to put on you. And that was the lifeblood still. We were still a nascent organization with very few paid people and, you know, 20 things to do at any given hour of any day. And the idea that you might not have all those hearts and minds and hands and feet was really frightening. You know, I remember the very first organizational. Yeah, one of the very first organizational things of that type was Joy 
creating this um, this haven for volunteers. So they felt valuable. So we, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time telling them how much we appreciated them because they thought we thought they were a flight risk. Right, right. Which, which brings me, I want to, I want, I want to hear the story narrated from, from you two, because that's exactly right. Like there, there was a big step, Hey, with, with the journey, would people follow if we started our own thing and it was outside of the journey. So we, we went through the 501 C3 piece and then, and then we began to see people rally and uh, Carol, you and I and Jeffrey and Jen and tons of folks sat in the, again, probably on the same couches where, where I met you. And we, we came up with this idea and we started branding, expect the collision, join the fray. And, and what does that mean? And, and, and what does that look like? And then I remember that. Yes. Expect the collision, join the fray. Yeah. And then, and then Joy had put together all of the, uh, all of the volunteers and we did a volunteer kickoff right after that happened at your house. And as we were getting ready to go to that event, I called Jonathan McIntosh up and I go, uh, my wife is five weeks out from having our kid and we just got called into the hospital. I think I'm going to have a baby tonight. Can you please step in for our first event ever at Carol's house? And I remember Jonathan, I remember, uh, you were like, yeah, dude, I got it. Like, go be with your wife. We're sitting at, at Farns hospital. And I'm like, well, I, you know, like, this is my moment. Like, this is the like, hey, I'm going to leave yes. this thing, be with us. Yes. And so I remember like, all right, I'm just going to send Jonathan an email. And I don't, you know, of course, he's not going to say it in the way that but I would just I'm just going to write it how I would I think I would say it. And I remember like getting to the end of what I was going to say to these volunteers and just like, crying, right? And I'm like, Jonathan, I'm crying, <laughs> telling you. And, and I, I remember like, I and I want to hear like how it went and the whole thing. But I, I'll never forget like calling you after it was over. And you were just like, I just told everybody that you were crying in your wife's uh, uh, room at the hospital. <laughs> 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 Oh <laughs> uh, gosh, we should all go around and share yeah, stories was of, a of special Josh crying. <laughs> there's a lot. Dude. There's actually Jonathan. There's a drinking game at the gala that revolves around my tears. <laughs> I I remember because I you know after soon after these stories, I was I, I moved on. I stayed at the journey, and you guys moved forward. Mission St. Louis. I wasn't on the board anymore, but I remember right before uh, an affordable Christmas and it was not the first, it wasn't the second, you know, it was after you'd done it a few times. And I, and I watched you as a leader gather the, the volunteers that were about to execute affordable Christmas for a huddle. And you, once again, sharing from your heart and your passion coming through and, and, and your tears of course were there. And I don't know. I was just I'm, I'm moved by your passion, Josh. I mean, I think that's the that's the the fire behind it all that will I hope is always there is is your yeah. passion. Thanks, so, Jonathan, you should check out his last uh, performance, if you will, at the gala that they just did, and listen to what he has to say. You won't you won't wonder about his passion anymore. It's no. still there. That's good. Good. All right. Everybody wants to know. I, I do get asked a lot what the first board meetings look like. Can you uh, can you can you set can you set the stage? Because there was a lot of sushi. There was a lot of couches. Um, talk about talk about the early days, the early board meetings. You so, go, Carol, because I re I remember one in my head. Go ahead. 
Well, it's food centric, first of all. Of course. <laughs> it was very food centric. I remember thinking my biggest contribution was having an empty room with lots of plates of food for choice, that I thought that was what my contribution was versus anything else. And um, they were they were very well, let me just say, I was a little confused. Right. Because there was so much joviality. There was so much side talk. There was so much unfinished sentences. And I'm like, are we ever going to get through the agenda? Are we ever going to have anything come out of this? And I just kept bringing out the food. I, I don't know what's going on here, but you got food. <laughs> now, that's what I remember, too. I remember some kind of first of all, Carol had one of those houses right on the right that like looked on to Forest Park. Um, and, and we walked in you had like this special, like with, with the pocket doors that you'd pull open and, and you didn't have a butler, but the butler would like, that's the place you'd like, you rang, sir. <laughs> like you'd pull open the doors and in one of those rooms, that's where we, we, and you know, I was a young pastor that was full of himself, but I hadn't served on like nonprofit boards before. So I, I, I didn't know what we were supposed to do. All I know is like, Hey, there's a great filet here. It's a good Cabernet Sauvignon. She's bringing out the asparagus. Like it was definitely food and wine. Just, and like, just don't screw it up. That's right. right. And I, I just loved the people we were with. You, it was Carol, it was Josiah. And we were just, we were having a great time together. It, that's, that's, that's my memory of like the first board meeting for sure. <laughs> so, um, so, I mean, that uh, I mean, that was that was just some of the most special times. You know, I think specifically, like not only did you guys, you know, love me really well and love this organization. I mean, you, you stepped in and uh, and you love my wife. I mean, I think it was really kind of that season where we were we were outsiders to St. Louis, desperate for friendship, desperate. Mm-hmm. For, you know, we we were starting a, a new life, and and uh, so to be able to bring in. Um, you know, just that, that sense of community and that sense of, of belonging was, was one of the things that, that man, I will, I'll just never, I'll never forget it. It also, um, you know, as, as that time went on, I mean, <clears throat> I think that was also the season as, as we looked at mission St. Louis, it was also one of the times that we kind of went from our, our child days to the adolescent days. And it was, uh, you know, as, as I think about those early, those early board meetings, like one, they were a blast. They were, um, you know, we probably spent more time dreaming and talking about what could be than we really kind of did any of the strategy. And I think a lot of that was because we didn't, we had, we were, we were, we were walking through what that strategy would look like. I mean, at that time, you know, we had kind of settled on the school we had, we were mobilizing volunteers. Um, the, the, the vision was being cast at the journey and with us kind of simultaneously. And we were beginning to go like, Hey, relationship is the way forward. What would it look like if on Tuesdays and Thursday nights, we just walked this neighborhood and, and we started talking to whoever would be that, you know, whoever would come and, and, you know, I, I think it was also that moment that I think I would probably come to you guys. I'll, I don't think this is exaggerating, but those board meetings were almost a time for me to just say like, Hey, here's everything that's going on. And I think every board meeting was like, Hey, 
this didn't work. We need to go a new direction. Um, you know, I think it was also probably along those times that, that I walked into that board meeting and, and I, and I looked at both of you and was like, Hey, I walked back into the office at this point we had, you know, five or six people hired and was like, I just told them this great new idea that I had and everybody started crying and they were like, Josh, you have to stop. We, you told us yesterday that we were going this direction and now we're going another direction, like, like, like quit. And so I think that that, that board meeting for me, uh, you know, Carol, to, to your point, I mean, some of it was just like, Hey, I need to be able to get this out. I need to be able to talk about some of what these ideas are. Um, but one of the things that, that, and I, I get to tell joy this often, um, but it was, it's also you two, you guys were able to listen to a bunch of ideas and they were never met with no. And, and I think knowing my insecurity, knowing my weaknesses at a lead, a leader, I think if I would have come in to specifically you guys and my key leadership at, at Mission St. Louis and every time I felt like I had direction and was able to kind of cast some of that vision. If every time I was met with no, I, I don't think we would be here. Um, but instead it was like, Hey, <laughs> let, let me ask you some more questions. Like, Hey, do you understand the impact that that's going to have on your team? Do you understand the impact that that's going to have on the community? Like you need to think more through what it's going to cost not just you, but also your team. And, and so there were moments inside that board meeting, though they were filled with great food and oftentimes directionless, that I think you guys gave me the space <laughs> to really mature as a leader um, and being able to process all of that. Yeah, and I, I know along those lines, I remember <clears throat> meeting with the new CFO. I'm not even sure we called Andy a CFO at the time. And, and he was the only one that could do math right? <laughs> <laughs> and keep track of all of this stuff. And uh, he was sitting there with a $200,000 a year budget, which seemed like, oh, my gosh, how did we get this much money? This is a lot. We're, we're good. We're solid. We're here. We're at 200000 Terrific. Uh, God's answered all our prayers. And I said to him, Andy, what if your budget doubled? Oh, what do you mean? Uh, it won't double. Why are we even having this conversation? No, we can't think about this. It, it's not possible. I said, well, maybe it's not probable, but it is possible. So I want you to make an alternative budget that is twice this size. How would you use those funds? What program would you start? Who would you employ? What would this look like? And do you remember what you called that like line? Me. Do you remember what no. you called that line? Because he still calls it this to this day. What? He's, he's like, Stretch hey, plan? as we're no, as we're doing the budget, he's like, what? hey, we have to, we have to, we have to leave room for the God line. If God shows up, oh, and, and you, right. that was you, you called it that. Wow. I did. You're right. I'd forgotten that phrase, but thank you. And and he was shaking like a leaf. But you want to know something? That year, you hit four hundred. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you know the dreams. If you put some parameters around dreams, they aren't just fluff. They can happen, but you got to have the plan of how would we get there? How would we use it? Make it a reality. And I think that's what the board did for you too, was make it real. You know, it yeah. wasn't just you spouting out great ideas. We, we, were, we were attempting to make it real. Yeah. Wow, that's a great story. 
And it, yeah, it, and it's, it, it's come to as, as, uh, you know, as we kind of wrap up, well, uh, as you guys, as you guys think about just, you know, uh, your, your, your hopes and dreams for us, I mean, the, the mark and the legacy that you guys have left, not only on me, uh, but on this organization are, are huge. I mean, um, to be able to take a very naive, young, immature, um, idealistic guy like myself and, and not destroy that, but breathe life into it, um, to be able to offer like friendship and companionship and then, and then figure, help us figure out like what it looked like to not only be a board, but be an organization that would last. Um, I, as I think back on, on the two of you, that, that, that has been your legacy in the life of, of this organization. Uh, as you guys kind of think about what your dreams would be for us, um, what excites you about uh, Mission St. Louis and, and even the future, what would that be? For me, I really appreciate you asking that question. Um, my authentic answer is probably different than it would be 10 years ago or whenever it was that we were getting started. Um, and I'm not in, in Christian ministry anymore. Josh, one of our, our key mentors and our one of the key voices in our lives took his life last year. Um, it's a lot of burnout in in ministry and in nonprofit work. And now I, I place leaders in nonprofit organizations and see burnout and unhealthy relationships and toxicity. And I've embodied and lived out a lot of that toxicity myself. And and the fact that you're alive is a beautiful thing. And I'm not even saying that as a joke, like you're here, that you're still in the seat, that you're still in the job, that you still believe in the work, that you're still married, that all of those things just are, is a great sign of God's grace and your ability to take success and live with it comfortably and not let it go to your head. It, it points to your ability to, to have voices in your life that will make sure that you're living in a sustainable way and leading in a sustainable way. Um, because burnout, fatigue, and just toxic shit is real. And I'm not saying that you've been a perfect leader all along. I'm sure Joy could tell stories to us. But, <laughs> and Lee sure. could as well. But all of those things, the fact that you're there, the fact that this is even happening and that we're having this conversation is huge. And yeah, that's, I don't have a wish beyond that. That, that was very dear, Jonathan. Um, do you remember, Josh, that maybe year two, maybe three, it's out of 15, Jonathan, by the way. Um, that 15? Yeah, Gosh. that early on, you were so excited about the breadth, depth, and scope of what this could be, which is not what it is today. It was a whole different idea. And you were actually talking about going to other cities. We were saying off our tongues, Mission Chicago, Mission Dallas, Mission Denver, and playing with, okay, we've got this wonderful capsule and we're going to spread it. And you started down that path. And then we found out, oh, 
We have depth to plumb here. We've got people to connect. This is not a thing. This is not a business model. It's what you've been saying all along. It's relationship building and the pain and the hurt and the need right here, four blocks away from me. And for a while where you lived one block away from you is so palpable. Oh, we got to dig in deep here. We're not going anywhere. We're staying here. Fast forward to this year. I see an article in the Austin Chronicle and I see this angel of a man's face. And there's this article about how he's wanting to develop his nonprofit for work for felons and to get them back on their feet. And I introduce you to him and I'm having this flashback of, oh my God, here we are franchising Mission St. Louis again. And it's not going to turn out to be that. But I guess what I'm encouraging you is you've got a team who knows what to do and you've got services that are all inclusive inside your building now. What are you going to do next that impacts even a larger group of people without taking away from your current situation? Because you have matured and grown into such a force that we always knew was there, but it wasn't quite so believable as it is now because you've got traction and you've got history, you've got results. And the idea that you speak into other organizations and give them the encouragement you received is my wish for you without <laughs> losing any traction in St. Louis. That's awesome. And then the famous words of Jonathan McIntosh, don't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs>